1: Inside Inside information information on on your teams, teams, honest honest opinion, opinion, and and the the
2: biggest biggest names names in sports. Sports.
1: It's It's time, time, Las Vegas, Vegas for for the the Playmakers. Playmakers.
2: I love it when it echoes. How are you? How are you? I asked you first. I asked you first. Oh! Hi, Lindsay! Hi! Hi, 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 hi! Welcome hi, hi. back to hour two of the Playmakers. A little bit rough re entering the atmosphere here. As to be expected, we're not perfect. We are indeed human beings, things are firing at will. Uh, it's almost like we should probably have a board that works considering I think we are <sighs> the only live show in this building at this point in time. Well listen, it's um we're still
3: here. Gem. We're going strong and we are going to finish out strong. Obviously,
2: Lindsay. at least the mics aren't dropping from their booms. Although I do have to clarify something that I left uh unaddressed last hour. I would like to apologize to all of the koalas out there because you were one of my favorite animals. I had, I've had an affinity for you from a young age, uh, from the animal books I used to read. You were always my favorite. I had mistakenly attributed the uh, herpes disease as a problem that they suffer with. I was mistaken. It is chlamydia that is a huge freaking problem. And honestly, Adrian, uh, it's not a huge laughing matter because it's very sad whenever you have something affecting you that uh, way to be mature health. some but people would laugh even john oliver spent time on this uh, on his last week tonight show i remember watching this on hbo maybe in the last couple of years because the the chlamydia problem in the koala population is a huge deal and it's actually directly related to uh to climate change and in some wild populations 100 percent infection rate which is crazy to think about and it causes blindness severe bladder inflammation infertility and death so yes debbie downer for the koalas it's kind of like, that's what we're here to like bring
3: senior living centers like yes older homes it's exactly. the same type of vibes
2: yeah we don't those are tough vibes but regardless we'd like to apologize to, to the, koalas the koalas and to all of the chlamydia uh sorry we got you mixed up in the wrong business. Uh, yeah, that's what we're here to bring you on the Playmakers. The sports, the animal stuff.
3: They try to box us in? Yeah. But no, only no. knowledge can't. like this? They can't you box get from us Lindsey in because we're going to box
2: them out. And then when they come around the outside, uh, we go back inside and we take their spot on their couch and say, Dabs, we were here first. Duh. Like, that's how these rules work. Uh, but we got to get into our footiest of football segment that kicks off our second hour each and every day.
3: Lindsay, I'm scared to press this button, Honestly, but here we let's go. Let's just
2: wade into the waters. Oh, the footiest! Football. It's almost like when you're inept, you should be fired right away, except maybe the timing works out better, unless you're Joe Judge. Mm. Yeah. Bye, Joe. That 11-minute rant that we've been dissecting for the better part of two weeks as a general population has resulted in the result we anticipated. He's on the way out. He was given his pink slip a day after everybody else. There's always one coach that's a day later than everyone else. Why? I do not know. I have a theory. Do you?
3: Was not liked. Yes. And they're like, hey, he's already on vacation.
2: He Ah, booked it for
3: that Monday. Let's fire him on his vacation. Let's
2: let him get on the plane. Instead of the tarmac plan that Lane Kiffin is so familiar with.
3: Because why would the Giants be inept like that and do it a day uh-huh. later and not be able to schedule interviews to get a coach or a proper coach? Why would the Giants make a decision like that? And why would they let their GM retire and keep the coach and then be like, no, let's fire the coach? Very unlike the Giants.
2: Yeah. it's a lot of recycling going on in that uh, organization, but they definitely need a hard reset, and we'll get that with the firing of Joe Judge, as you mentioned uh, David Gettleman, their GM for the past four seasons, also choosing, I'm sure, to retire. Uh, but the lack of success that the the Giants have uh, have put on display these last few years, the fans have let them know. I mean, they were booing Eli as Jersey Retirement Day. They were wearing bags over their faces on on final weeks of the season. And it's not like the NFC East is this uh, division in which the the wild things are. And so, uh, very easy to climb back in it if you have the right pieces in place and moving in the right direction. But when you're fighting against yourself and fighting against the injury bug that some of their best players seem to be acutely familiar with every season, uh, outside of a full-blown, controlled burn start from scratch, I, I don't know what else again, to do.
3: Again, by the way, Yeah. again, past Eli for this to happen again. It's, I mean, thankfully they did it. It's weird with the timing. It kind of seems if you play football in New York, you're trapped in this abyss of just misery, whether you're the Giants or the Jets. Um, thank God that the Giants, you know, gave their fan season ticket holders medium uh, cokes. As hey, fan at least they've won
2: champion, two championships in the last 10 years. Like, my NFL team's never won a Super Bowl. I've never seen a championship, and I'm not trying to minimize anybody else's suffering because we all know about that move these days. But... I also think that we are so quickly to forget the success that takes so long to build up to. I mean, just look at like Doug Peterson, perhaps, who's a name that's being circulated in a lot of uh, uh, head coaching vacancies, including your Las Vegas Raiders, which is apparently the most uh, plush landing destination, at least according to an NFL.com ranking of head coaching openings that seem most enticing. And I was having this thought last night myself of if I'm a head coach, I look at several different arms to pick the best spot because usually if i'm getting one phone call i'm getting a couple more right if you if you're only getting one phone call that usually means that person's not ready and if you're the one making that phone call maybe you need to double check uh your lines and uh and the numbers that you're dialing but again to judge the um situations in front of us. I look at power dynamics and front office situations. So is there a new GM that's coming in with me or, or am I getting an incumbent guy or is there expectations to succeed right away? Cause he's been here for a while and, and we're on our last legs or do we have some more time? And with that, uh, how badly was it run before I got here? Are we dealing with like a Matt Patricia Detroit situation where there mm-hmm. has to be a lot of unlearning, a lot of painting over some really tough times and uh, memories players still there? I look at, again, I already mentioned the timeline for expectation for success. That's very dependent on quarterback situation too. Am I picking a quarterback? Do I get somebody from square one? Or am I getting somebody in year two? Because while that's only a one-year difference, you'd be surprised about how much of an impact that can make on your overall trajectory at that particular team and potentially other coaching destinations because,
3: and that's happening right now in Miami in Miami
2: and Jacksonville and, and, and so many teams that are in the part of their evolution where they pick a young quarterback very early in the draft because the team has been bad, but the front office and coaches have been there for a while. So they pick them. The success isn't shown early on. We don't have Russell Wilson, so we might as well fire everybody. And then it kind of starts that spin cycle over again. That's what we were trying to avoid uh, last year with Justin Herbert. I was very nervous when they let go of Anthony Lynn. I was like, well, he didn't get it done, but it wasn't too bad. But you're really taking a gamble in terms of, potentially disrupting the development of, of Herbert and stuff, but he was able to, to get it done with uh, Coach Staley, although they were, missed out on the playoffs again this year, so maybe they didn't get it done. Um, talent cupboard, what are we dealing with? Uh, we mentioned the quarterback position. Where are my receivers at? Where are my skill positions at? What are their contracts like? Are they overinflated uh, veteran guys, or do I have more of a young roster that has a malleable contracts that are cheap, they're more expendable, uh, but also means that there's less known things. You have to – deal with a little bit more of a sandbox situation and then public relations is how much are you expected to deal with uh, the media? I mean, we all have to show up there if you're a coach, but do you have to provide insight? Do you, do the owners bow down to pressure? Is there a precedent set? Is there a a curse? Exactly. Exactly. And so like the New York edge is absolutely something that would fall uh, under this category of public relations. And just to circle back to those power rankings again, um, talking about the head coaching vacancies, let's run through them. we got the Raiders, the Broncos.
3: Broncos at two.
2: Broncos at two. Jaguars at three. Dolphins at four. So those are top four. Do you have any problems with the way that this top four is slotted?
3: Well, at number four, Mm -hmm. uh, the Dolphins, and and we're talking about these power dynamics, I don't see – how any coach, other than one that's that's stuck on, I'm going to have to be a yes man, would join the Dolphins. Or
2: I got five years left, period. Like older Or they person. actually
3: believe in Tua, right. which is hard to imagine. And to be fair, the Dolphins offensive line is one of the worst in the league, which obviously plays a part in whether Tua is good or not. Yeah. Like, What are we actually dealing with if we give him a fair shot? But when you, when you hear these reports and how respected Brian Flores is and already meeting with the Bears, already on everybody's hotline, and you see that one of the issues was is, number one, Tua himself not being welcoming of criticism and the locker room arguments that they had and Tua being like, you don't know how to talk to me. And, you know, sometimes coaches take it too far. And sometimes in arguments, in heated situations, we say things to people that we don't necessarily mean. But you know you have to deal with the quarterback. And then the general manager and the owner want to do one thing. So you're going there, and you already know that your football knowledge and what you want to do with the personnel has already has to be slanted in a certain direction because the front office isn't going to budge because they just let go a coach who took a team that was supposed to be 0-16 went 5-11 with them, and then the other two seasons took them a game away from the playoffs. Right,
2: and we have to remember, too, they're keeping, as far as we know, they're keeping general manager Chris Greer on. So in many ways, Flores is the sacrificial lamb for Greer's job, basically. And so... Wouldn't you put
3: Chicago over Miami just because of fields?
2: uh, Yeah. I think Miami has more in the pipeline than Chicago does right now. And I also think Chicago has more scrutiny. And so I don't necessarily have a problem with them rank- being ranked behind Miami based off of those reasons. But if they were all matching up um, on the same criteria, then I do like Chicago better. But Miami is just such a interesting bit and has a really high uh, likelihood for a hierarchical problem like when you walk in with a GM that's already a couple of years ahead of you like I said in terms of I just saved my job and now I have to save it again with how I'm moving forward it just I don't think you're given as many tools in your toolbox and as you were saying I just don't have as much power over what I can do with my roster. Who can I start? Who can I truly, how can I talk to these players? Because sometimes it's just about, well, you can't coach them that way because we need to make sure that he's on board and you've already ruffled too many feathers and stuff like that. And so I think in many ways they would be better served by a coach who's on their last coaching stop of their career, like an older guy, but at the same time, everybody's going for the young offensive mindsets. And so I, but or, just because everybody else is doing that doesn't mean that that's the best thing for you.
3: Yeah. And the other thing is that
2: they need to feel like secure and believed in and all, everybody needs that. But especially in Miami, just because they've gotten so close, but never got to the cookie jar, at least in the last few seasons.
3: Yeah. In 20 years, they've made the playoff twice. Right. Like, and the only thing which as soon as Brian Flores got fired, people immediately went, well, Stephen Ross is a Michigan guy. This is Jim Harbaugh. Now they denied it. The reports came out that no, this is not why we he haven't was heard fired. anything
2: about an extension yet from Harbaugh, and that's ultimately yeah. the biggest uh, dibs that colleges make when they have their coaches being uh, basically poached.
3: Yeah, and that, that's the only thing that makes sense. That okay, now your GM. To be honest, I, I could see Stephen Ross being like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're the one driving this car, Jim Harbaugh. You need the. Chris, I don't you even know if I want him.
2: him being the one driving the car, though. I just I,
3: it's better than the other options if you're not going to have Flores, though.
2: That's true, but ultimately that's truly the problem because Flores is everybody else's best option, and he wouldn't exactly. have had an option if they wouldn't have let him go. But now we're here, and as you said, he's having conversations with the Chicago Bills, or Chicago Bills, Chicago Bears, who are ranked fifth overall in this power rankings in terms of NFL head coaching openings. Uh, Vikings sixth, Giants seventh, and then they have the potential other changes as the Houston Texans as and... Uh, Maybe the Seattle Seahawks, although we're not going to go down those roads. Uh, having Minnesota be pretty close to last, Giants last, yep. Minnesota second to last because Kirk Cousins for a year. Justin
3: I, Jefferson, down Justin
2: Jefferson isn't enough for me to 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 hitch my wagon to, to this franchise, which isn't really I mean, sure fair. which direction they're going. Uh, you're going to get new GM. They've gone through with a, with a full blown uh, rebuild there, but a lot of roster decisions and. Basically, no cap space.
3: Can I bring up Jacksonville? Sure. Number three? Mm -hmm. That seems a little crazy to me because it's flown under the radar because of all the chaos that's happened with Urban Meyer. But But he was the chaos. Sure. But Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback, Mm -hmm. and he was terrible. Right. Like, he was bad. But it's your rookie year,
2: and how much of your terribleness is the product of you being on a terrible team because you were picked number one overall for a reason, and then the chaos and – if there's chaos going on with your head coach, how much do you think is going into the actual football preparation? I think that the Jacksonville job is very favorable because you have tons of cap space. You have Trevor Lawrence, who is only a second year quarterback and still quote unquote a generational talent, and an owner that is looking to make the right decision, I think. You you have to you have to go out and get somebody that at the very least isn't offensive, right? That isn't gonna call Iowa. Strength and conditioning coach guy who's had questionable things happen with his players. But they did, with, yeah. But exactly. But you cannot do that two years in a row.
3: I just think that you. They'll say find Cubs. a
2: way, but
3: but it's like the cap space. I feel like Jacksonville always has cap space. This is I feel true, like and
2: it is Jacksonville.
3: They always. The only plus side is we're talking what about free scrutiny. agents are
2: going to sign there.
3: Yeah, and it's like scrutiny. Well. The only scrutiny they had is when things that have never happened before with NFL coaches yeah. taking breaks and, and the Urban mireness of the situation. That's the only plus side to me. I, I don't have much faith in the Con family. Um,
2: no, that would be a place that a lot of people would say, "Well, at least they won't pay super close attention, so you might be able to milk a couple more years out of it than you usually would have." Well, clearly not anymore.
3: And obviously, it's it's not. There's I, nowhere to hide. Being super critical of Trevor Lawrence and. You pointed out, like, of course, it's the Jaguars. What did you think he was going to do? He was going to turn them into a playoff team, but they were super bad. And so, like, he, he specifically was super, super bad this year. And I just, most number one draft picks that are quarterbacks don't get the pass that he's gotten. And I'll just leave it at that when it comes to that. Yeah,
2: most number one overall quarterbacks don't have to deal with the questions after his coach is getting a lap dance back home in Ohio and he wasn't on the team playing. Like, there's just T-Law is going to be fine. Uh, He might not be. it. And ultimately, the people that will suffer those consequences of will he or won't he are Trevor and that team because they are directly responsible for creating an environment that puts him in position to succeed, and they have yet to do it. They have done nothing but create detriments and problems and firestorms. Uh, enough about the coaches. We've barely talked about wildcard, which is okay, because considering we're on Tuesday, it's kind of day off, and we still have three more days of this week, uh, to really start breaking down the slate of games that we have this weekend on our docket for the wild card weekend. Uh, which matchup is most intriguing to you at this moment in time, Adrian?
3: Patriots, Bills. Why? Because I want to see if Bill Belichick can do it again and beat the bills. I want to see Mac Jones under pressure as a rookie and also Buffalo. I know they made it to the AFC conference championship game last year, but with a lot of teams in these playoffs, looking at you, Bengals, looking at you Raiders, mm-hmm. your team history is still there, even if the players are different. So I want to make sure Buffalo takes care of business. Um, obviously this Raiders Bengals game, it's both teams are flying high with momentum, but, um, the
2: nah, Bengals really aren't, though, because they had Burrow take a week off and they kind of did the rest But they game. won
3: the division. This That's is true. But,
2: but, they, but they've had time to let that be awesome, awesome, awesome and decompress and prepare no, and you. stuff. So you, you don't get as much of, of that gas push uh, that you would anticipate if you had been playing for the division all the way up like the Raiders were or where they were playing with their full slate of starters. I think that Buffalo-New England game is, is the most curious to me because that first matchup that they had in the season, that was the the game where Bill, three pass attempts. Ridiculous. But it works. And the second time around, Buffalo is able to take care of business, 33-21 uh, victory in that. And so naturally I'm kind of thinking somewhere in the middle, right? I, I think it's all about Buffalo's ability to keep the ball on the ground, keep the ball in Josh Allen's hands, and making sure he has – time to scramble for those first downs that he's so effective at. He's just a body that moves so well in space. Nobody wants to tackle that guy once he's eight, once he's gone out to the sides. And if Stephon Diggs is getting blanket covered, somebody else is going to have to step up. But they're also a team where COVID could rear its ugly head very, very quickly. Which
3: so far with these teams in the playoffs, that hasn't happened. Yes. Um, another matchup um, that I wish I would have said this is my answer. Because it might be the closest game of the week. It's the first ever Monday Night Football playoff game.
2: Yeah, weird,
3: right? right? Yeah, it's... it's it's,
2: it's Cardinals-Rams of all of Doesn't all it seem
3: fair either. No, <laughs> like no. And wins. Joe I'll
2: mentioned that, too, of just... That, that puts whoever that winner is on, on a short week, but clearly the only thing we care about are the doll hairs. So you're going to play on whatever night we tell you to because we have too many extra teams in this we now need a man cast what do
3: you mean we need exactly exactly but to be honest this matchup uh, division rivals this will be the third time that they're playing uh, they're not
2: playing well though either team
3: yeah and i mean that that's the thing and also, you know the, the demons of matthew stafford of like okay now this matters now you're doing it against good teams kyler let's win a playoff game you know cliff like let's this is this is for real now for yep. most of the season the Cardinals. Or one of the best teams in the league. They started off with that hot start. To just see that matchup, and there, there was it. Was it the Monday night game that they played earlier this year? Or was it something like that? Yeah, one of the primetime games. Uh, their their second matchup of the year. Uh, it was a close game. It was entertaining. Um, two offenses that could put up a lot of points. Obviously, whoever they...
2: turns the ball over more is going to lose, and I know that seems like a very obvious answer, but considering how much these teams have turned it over and and just in big moments, this is where I think Kyler's size you can kind of knock it a little bit because when things start to fly around and you start to get anxious and and the play starts to speed up a little bit around, you get knocked down a couple of times all of a sudden, the line looks a little bit bigger than you thought because you're not running out into your your exhaust areas maybe two less feats. So you're not seeing as much yeah. and straight up. If you're going to go defense against defense, who's better? We know that the Rams have at least half of the field shut down. And so with that, that's where my math is going in terms of favorability towards the Rams, but a lot can change between now and then. And again, it's a Monday night game, which is bizarre. Uh, but this is a, this is a playoffs that I felt more uncertain about than most seasons. And, a lot of parity in the AFC has been talked about in, in the last few weeks, but now even the NFC we're we're seeing movement on, on lines for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the Eagles, you don't usually think that's that scary of a thing, but then again, the Buccaneers had to go to the Washington football team a stadium and almost lost there in the wild card round last year. Well, Tampa Bay has secured home field advantage this season.
3: With actual fans this year. Right.
2: Anything can truly happen. I mean, we saw that, that big comeback from the 49ers over this past weekend. We saw 50 points from the Cowboys. It's just like nobody's ever really truly out of it in this league anymore. We're just we can pick up yards in big chunks because so we got quarterbacks and running backs and changes of pace to help keep everybody on their toes. I'm hoping everybody else is staying at that point as well because that is. Also, the same stance that we put on for our goaltending, for our, our our forward skating. In general, we got to get in some, some hockey talk on the other side of the break, 1140.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect, impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink Think what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollar per order, additional term supply. Selling a little or a lot.
1: You found The Playmakers, only on 1140 The bet, Las Vegas.
2: This is a good song, like good pacing, right? You feel like you have to do something, you got stuff to accomplish, yes. you're equipped to do so, right?
3: Also, we're about to talk about some puck, so it felt like about a little bit of hockey. What? Some puck, right?
2: Oh, yeah. It's one of those things. It is a uh, Vegas Gold Knights game day. On this Tuesday, January 11th, the Toronto Maple Leafs make their one single journey to T-Mobile Arena tonight, and they bring with them, Adrian. Drake? Nope, no Drake. No Drake. He's probably watching the Raptors game tonight.
3: That's true. Uh,
2: Maybe Bieber. Bieber. He's uh, pretty close friends with one Mr. Austin Matthews, number 34. You will see him out there plenty tonight as he is the main dish of so many pieces of their offense. Not so much defense. They don't play a ton of that, and that's what's gotten them into trouble in the past, but what's going to cause some trouble for the Golden Knights tonight is some COVID updates. There are names that we would usually expect to be in the lineup that will no longer be Shea Fied or Nolan Patrick. Nicholas Waugh have all entered the COVID-19 protocol as of uh, about 18 minutes ago, via the Golden Knights Twitter account, in their stead, they have recalled Jake Lashizen, Jonas Ronberg, and Daniil Miramanov, all of which have seen time up with the big squad this season, so there shouldn't be that big of an implementation curve
3: but obviously won't be available tonight, though, with the decision being so close to game Certainly time. not.
2: Well, no, these players absolutely will be. They'll be up there for warm-ups. And we don't know what lines will look like. But when you take Shea Theodore out of the lineup as a second-pair defenseman who also spends a ton of time on the power play, can get kills, is super effective in getting pucks through that neutral zone and stepping up through – and uh, finding those uh, stretch passes to Chandler Stevenson, to uh, Jan Mark, who's been playing really well lately, as has Nolan Patrick, who's had two points in his last two games. He only has played a handful since returning from a longer-term injury, and so very disappointing for him to have to go back out again. And Nicholas Waugh, who I think has, has played himself into a few more conversations around the trade deadline then, we had anticipated just due to what he's been able to do in the absence of other players. Uh, those are three big time names in differing departments uh, that this team needs to face off against a power play like the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is the best in the league. They convert on 30% of their chances, 29% on the road. Uh, they have a pretty solid penalty kill as well 80% on the road, 83 overall, but not nearly as prolific as that power play is because we already talked about Austin Matthews. So many people uh, in discussions about him talk about his unique wrist shot and his ability to create space for himself. He's getting more opportunistic, and I know that's probably a little bit weird to say considering what type of player he is. He's a transcendental type of talent who separates himself in, in so many different ways but he's starting to play a little bit smarter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Bring sorry. your dictionary when you come to playmakers. I have a playmakers. community
3: college degree. Yeah, we're
2: going we're gonna to add to that. I'm sure there That's were the a lexicon. few spelling tests I'm there, that. too.
3: I'm going to write that in there.
2: Um. Yeah, and so between him, William Nylander, who's played incredibly well this year. Uh, Kerfoot had a, had a goal the other night. He's on that line with John Tavares. And then you have experience down in the fourth line from Jason Spezza, who who scored a lot of goals in this league, has a hell of a shot himself. And when you have those little leverage points in the lower part of your lineup, we're very familiar with that luxury with the Golden Knights in previous seasons, because that's really where you can make big time productive strides because you assume best on best, cancel each other out. And then if you have a couple of guys that know how to put biscuits in the basket in the lower half. That will pay off. That will be the difference for everything. And, yes, you can write that down in the Lindsey Brown yeah, lexicon just, dictionary. There's two different ones when we're talking about uh, You said biscuits words. and I got happy. Biscuit in the basket. That's what we're talking about. And, and Maple Leafs know how to put pucks in the net. And we're giving up a lot of goals ourselves, that being the Golden Knights. And so the task will be to solve Jack Campbell, who is about as fluid as a goalie could be at the professional level these days. We're finally getting to the point where almost everybody that will – Come into the league will have had inst- formal instruction at some point. Uh, Jack Campbell is the definition of the backyard goalie, street hockey goalie, a lot of commentators will say, because he's not the most technique driven guy. He's not the most disciplined guy with his feet. He's very fluid down below. And so, with that, you don't want to challenge him laterally. You don't want him to get stretched out those long cross crease passes aren't going to be as effective because he's very good at making himself long and making desperation saves and in ways that he just contorts his body instead you want to make him be precise in a phone booth instead you want to challenge his hips and you want to challenge him rotationally because when you don't have the same amount of of skating discipline and just the way that he he stylistically is he does mini T pushes everywhere with his skates, which is adding extra movement into his every second steps. Those milliseconds add up in the goaltending department. And so yeah. for me, it's about the Golden Knights really stepping outside of the box timing wise because you challenge the unconventionality by making unconventional decisions yourself. And so unlock those wrists. be prepared to roll them over. I want him to kind of whip those pucks like you would a pass But you're doing it from the goal line, from when you're right on the boards because he wouldn't be expecting that at that point. And when you do it, you aim low. You want hips and below if he's on his feet and then hips and above if he's down in his butterfly because, again, the hips and the construction of your midsection through uh, your goaltending position is really where most of this bread and butter comes from. And so with that lack of conventionality that he has, he has more holes around those areas you can take advantage of with missed time shots, with shots from uh, quieter areas, and uh, really making him feel vulnerable and making him back up into his crease, give up more net, and uh, be effective that way.
3: As a goalie, does it, does it frustrate you watching him play?
2: No, no, I love it. I love watching goalies like Jack Campbell play because it proves that you don't need to be a cookie cutter. Like, there's a fine middle between everything because – I don't want to discount people that don't have as much instruction because, first of all, not everybody has the same uh, economic situation. Yeah, it's not to. cheap to play hockey, and it's definitely not cheap to play goalie. And and guess what happens with kids? They keep growing, and so those pads, you have to keep updating yeah. them and stuff. And, and so I, I enjoy unique goaltenders. I, I enjoy people that are willing to improv, that are willing to – go the extra mile, they're willing to battle for the next save because it's just more enjoyable for me to watch and then just for the competitive element of it too. Uh, But it certainly can turn on you, though. The Golden Knights are a team that can be put in a box themselves by netminders, especially like Jack Campbell, because now all of a sudden you're like, well, he's unconventional. He's not as crisp. He's not as clean. So it must mean he's not as good. No, that's not the case. Yeah, and you get frustrated. Exactly. And last week, I mean, the Golden Knights, I forget who they were playing, but they had a 2-on-0 early on, and they weren't able to convert on it. And then usually, if it's a 2-on-0, you need to score on those goals, Adrian. Like, those don't happen very often. That's an advantage that, that needs to be converted on. And so it got in their head. And so for the rest of the game, it, it wasn't like they weren't there, but they just kind of knew that that was their best chance in those opening few minutes, and that team ended up closing the door and just grinding them out the rest of the way. And so you want to avoid making Jack Campbell be an athlete. You want him to be set. You want him to be close to his crease, you want him to feel small. And so by creating space in front for yourself and less for him, by sending those pucks on the net in those quiet areas, by disarming threats in front of our own net, that's going to be a huge point of emphasis for tonight's game, especially when we're talking about Austin Matthews, especially when we're talking about Andre Case who is one of their best forecheckers? checkers, one of the best forecheckers checkers in the league, actually, in terms of pressuring those defensemen that are going into the D zone, trying to collect it and break out the, the puck and move it out of their zone. He's really good at, first of all, pressuring the D, and second of all, convert getting that, that puck turned over. And you know who's crashing down in the slot? Number 34. And he's going to shoot right away. So whether that puck's originating from below the goal line or maybe up the wall a little bit, something that the goal Knights have struggled with at times, especially when you're asking Alex Petrangelo maybe to play more minutes than... Most nights, which he certainly will, with Shea Theodore out of the lineup because Shea Theodore is basically Alex Petrangelo light in terms of ranking uh, the defenseman that they have at their uh, disposal at this current point in time.
3: And I have to ask you, we haven't been able to get into it because of the Raiders craziness and the NFL and national championships, but sports. there was a big game. Yes, all the sports. Um, the Knights, obviously, over the weekend had a huge game, very emotional. Yeah, with the return of Flurry and the Blackhawks coming to town. Obviously, all athletes, and especially in in NBA, NHL, MLB, where you're playing so many games in the regular season, your mindset is down factor. Next game, mm-hmm. yeah, emotionally, it, it was already emotional. But then they also lose, and and I know that the Maple Leafs they had a tough loss where they were up four one or four nothing, and then yeah. they lost. Five four, but is there going to be a letdown? Do you believe? less so
2: than you'd think? Because whenever the Leafs come into town, it's one of those teams you usually get up for. You you want to beat them. They're cocky. They're annoying. It's the Leafs, and so it's, it's less so. And then if you if you're not familiar with what the Golden Knights schedule is going to be this week, they were originally slated to have two games on the road in Canada mm-hmm. this weekend, back to back. Those aren't happening anymore due to the COVID. And so their next game is next Tuesday at home versus Pittsburgh. And so you want to make sure you're not chewing on this thing for a whole week. And so I would expect a very spirited effort from your Golden Knights, especially with the infusion of some younger names back into the lineup. Sometimes that puts a little bit more pep in the step. Young guys in this organization have a tendency to find the score sheet and the times that they are included in the lineup. And so it's about challenging Jack Campbell. It's about winning in the neutral zone and uh, winning with the speed because the more the puck is on our stick in their zone means less time that it's on their stick in our zone. And so best on best, we can certainly compete, but you got to shut down their big names, big time names up and down that lineup. Certainly pressure their D with the four check. That's where most of those turnovers are going to happen. That's where they've been happening for the Golden Knights over these last few games, especially during the emotional week. So it was Absolutely a, a good point for you to bring up as a potential wrinkle in tonight's game. Uh, I think that's it. I feel pretty comprehensively prepared for this. Uh, I don't even I know feel what we're doing. Educated? Yeah, do you, you feel hawkified? Do you feel yes. like you, you can maybe uh, dangle, snipe, and selly?
3: Well, listen, I want to put biscuits in the den. Is it, that,
2: Yeah, oh, is, close. Was it- the den? Close. No in the basket, the biscuits in the basket. Biscuits
3: in the basket. Yep.
2: Exactly. That
3: uh in the den. Isn't a... one of the arenas called the den? Is there a den in the I'm NHL? Sure there's
2: there's several dens, but the biscuit in the basket is the the cliche that we like to use i got that from did Mike. you have
3: a den in minnesota that seems like a very minnesota thing to have a den
2: we have basements for sure and we have places where we put the fire i wouldn't call a and...
3: basement a den though like the basement's the basement the den's kind of like the treehouse not on a oh, tree you, with the tree there's no basements bit. here Yes.
2: Have you had a basement before?
3: Yes. Okay.
2: I see. I li- I lived in the basement back home. I love them. They're the best. There. Things just,
3: were done in my. It's childhood a different type of basement. climate control. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. things were
2: done in your basement. Yeah, very. I'm life. gonna leave that where it is. We did start this hour with your affinity for the Katy Perry recently released music video. We'll just leave that where it lies, and cause we gotta get to our break and on the other side. I don't know what we're talking about. We'll figure it out.
1: the Playmakers, only on 1140 The Bet, Las Vegas.
3: This is
2: straight out of the Euphoria soundtrack. You don't even know it.
1: That's why I did it. So much
2: beyond. That's why I did it. Just the debauchery that is that program. A great show. Uh, Not one for the little ones. That you can be sure of. And uh, we are definitely sure that this is our final segment of today We are the Playmakers. My name is Lindsey. Adrian's over there spinning all of the great tracks today and among other sounders that may or may not have been called upon. (laughs) But uh, sometimes people take a break or they take a nap when they're not supposed to, or it just gives way. Mike Tomlin had a similar experience the other night. Apparently he was sleeping during the Chargers and Raiders game in which their Steelers were learning their fate, playoffs or nah, where are we going? Do you
3: believe him when he says that to the media?
2: Yeah, I do, I do. I think that Mike Tomlin's fried a lot of different types of fish, and so you try to get your sleeps in when the fish are doing it too because you never know when it's going to come around again. And he wants to probably do right by, by Big Ben and other players and by that team because ultimately, whether people are retiring or not, that collection of people in that locker room will never be in the locker room together as a team. You know, it's just, that's what the current moment is. But in terms of just things that you've slept through, because again, not everything is weighted the same for people in their everyday lives. I remember um, in college, I was in a room of five with four of my teammates and I slept through move out day because I had the last final. I was in New Hampshire and I had a week between graduation and the final day of classes. So I had a little bit more time to like quote unquote move out. I actually didn't. I learned, I, I was sleeping through the most of the time and I had an hour to get the rest of my stuff up, but it didn't matter. Cause I was, you know, sleepy and I was studying. And so I was catching up on it, but that was probably the, the most disruptive thing that I was just dead to the world for. What's something really disruptive that you've slept through?
3: The birth of my son.
2: Well, you? Okay. Almost. You need to expand. Almost.
3: How- Almost. Oh, hold on, wait a second. Let me oh, let me do oh, this again. I,
2: you can't just like bring this up and then be like, The birth okay, of my on. son. The birth of your son.
3: Hey! Well, shout out to Sire. Okay, so Hello, Sire. I, I didn't miss the actual birth. Okay. I almost did. You almost um, did. Um, to my credit, um, due to circumstances beyond our control, um, his mother was in labor for about 31 and a half hours.
2: Dear God. Which
3: wasn't wasn't I,
2: if you slept through that, I don't know if I, we gotta check out a few more things. So
3: we were up for a, a very oh. large portion of that. Um, I'd oh. fallen asleep. Um, I woke up. It was around six, five thirty, six a.m. We were obviously exhausted and hungry, um, and I had to be sent to the basement of the cafeteria. And it was in the basement of this, ho- of this hotel of this hospital. Um, it was all just gray. And a whole bunch of just it was just walls and it was a maze and I didn't know where the the cafeteria was and I finally got there and I got the breakfast. I'm still half asleep, very tired, and I get the call. Of course, when I'm down here, I don't even know how I had a phone signal. Hey, we're about to have the baby, and by the grace of God, I walked in as the buzzer was going to zero. And within thirty seconds of me walking into that room and putting down that food, uh, my son was here. My life changed forever. Oh my so. God. That's the closest thing that I have. I can't recall something that I've slept through. I believe out of nervousness I, I slept through an NBA Finals game between the Cavs and the Warriors because oh. I just couldn't I couldn't take I oh couldn't take the nervousness but other than that um, I've done
2: that for a Vikings game before.
3: Oh yes, yeah, school my future education mm-hmm. but that's done way too many times. Well, education to be...
2: isn't necessarily tied up with school we know this That's what I'm here it's necessary It's important I'm with you. accountability is very important. Yes, showing up is very important, but it's not a. It's not the end all, be all. Experience is the ultimate teacher, and as you said, at least you had your phone on you. I've I've left this building at times to like run out to my car, and I've forgotten like a key or my phone, and and I've had one over the other, and then I don't have the tool to help me get, get back, back because you know I can't call somebody to come let me in or it's at the wrong time.
3: That sounds terrible. I
2: love the fact that you led with so um she was in labor for 31 hours and then
3: 31 and just half. to give
2: myself credit though i had to run downstairs i'm like okay
3: yeah i need to make sure i know
2: but it's just like to give myself credit i'm just like she's in literal labor as my mother would say she's pooping out a basketball adrian but except the basketball is a human being
3: with a little bit of hair yeah
2: oh my Atlanta. so in the morning that's when he was born
3: yes he was born around 6 a.m uh he was supposed to be born in the day yeah. And, you know, I was two years. weeks
2: late. I was a fat baby. Oh, I was. A, I was born at nighttime, so I'm nocturnal.
3: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, not that's bad. a cool superpower. Thank but you. That's like the only that's the only thing I can think of. Thankfully, I did not fall asleep through the entire process. Just about three hours of the thirty one and a half. Can I get some credit on that?
2: I uh, Credit given. How many alarms you set up set to get up in the morning?
3: Um, just one. My Really?
2: Son. Okay. Yeah. I suppose he that, that changes me in the face when you have kids, don't you? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, other
3: than that, I would need to set about fifteen. Right. The five. Well, the you just never really
2: fully go into REM, I think, because you're just automatically assuming that the kid's gonna start something on fire, right, or something will happen.
3: And I'm also very, very immature, where I'll still play my PlayStation until Obviously. two to three a.m. Well, If cause... you're
2: doing stuff all day, we now have learned that our subconscious will literally take revenge on us and steal our sleep by making us watch TV, play video games, do whatever we got to do to feel good that we have is our this real? time. Is this, is, this is absolutely real. Absolutely Lindsay, real. why
3: are you so smart?
2: I don't know. I wish it translated to more things. So hold
3: on, run this back to me. Cause I'm going to need this when people get upset and call me immature for being up so late, like I'm not it's a okay. grown man. So what is this? They get their revenge. It, it,
2: I forget what the actual concept is, but I I've suffered from similar things and it's something that a lot of people in our generation deal with because so many of us are working different jobs because it's just the dynamics of work have changed. And so our time really isn't our own. And so with that, Your subconscious needs time to decompress, needs time to feel safe, needs time to soothe. And so all those late nights where you're like, one more episode, or I'm going to play for one more hour, I'm going to finish this quest, and all of a sudden it's four in the morning, it's not necessarily you just being like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyways, even though it gets my better judgment. Like, we all have made those decisions and make actively, like, I'm not taking away our power to make that decision, but there's a reason why. And so if you're in that cycle, I've been in that cycle for years, uh, I, I became a morning person strictly because of the pandemic. I, I moved my bed in the living room so I could sync up my circadian rhythm because otherwise I was going to be screwed. I'm like, I need to have some sort of consistency in my life. But that revenge, whatever it is, revenge, reverse sleep, I'll, I'll get that clarified, but it's absolutely a real thing.
3: Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I did my part as someone born in Cleveland um, to hate on the Steelers. So before we get out of here, <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, Mike Tomlin, you're a liar. Ben, Ben, I believe, fell asleep just because of his body figure and just the way that he acts. But Mike Tomlin, the way his eyes are just open on the field, like a serial killer. Yeah, but he was
2: dancing in the locker room after. We don't know what kind of yeah, energy he expended he at that point in time.
3: But it was the stakes were so high that listen, yeah. Mike Tomlin, it sounds cute. You know what I'm saying? You're the king of the sound. How bite.
2: cute. Might delete later. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. You, you <laughs> said so, it sounds cute to say to all the reporters, and oh, that's remarkable. I woke up, so and I guess we have another game. So I'm
2: phased by the abyss, Mike Tollin, and so are we because we are back tomorrow, three to five, as we are each and every weekday. This is the Playmakers. Thank you to Adrian. Thank you to all you listeners out there. We'll have hockey things and other sports to talk about. Into the night we go. Sports and other things. Play.